Pray with me. As we are gathered here today, we ask you, our loving God, to shower onto us your wisdom and knowledge. We pray that as we listen to your word, we may have the ability to clearly see what God has called us to do. We seek to live and live to fulfill your purpose so that we can see your kingdom, illuminate our eyes and reveal to us your glory. Amen. For the scripture readings today, I picked out four and could have picked out a heck of a lot more that had the word labor or work in it. But these are the four that I picked out. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Matthew 28, 11. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. 1 Corinthians 3, 8. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Colossians 3, 23. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Ephesians 4, 28. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What makes Labor Day significant for Christians. Let me provide a brief background of the history and meaning of this holiday and then illustrate why Christians should wholeheartedly celebrate this holiday. First of all, Labor Day is a day to celebrate labor. I did a little research to find out why we celebrate Labor Day in the U.S. on the first Monday in September. The Wikipedia states that the holiday honors the American labor movement and the contributions that workers have made to the strength, prosperity, laws, and well-being of the country. Reading further, I am reminded that during the trade union movement in the late 1800s, it was suggested that there be a holiday to celebrate the laborer. Shortly thereafter, in 1887, it is reported that the first state to make it a public holiday was Oregon. Over the next seven years, 30 states had begun to celebrate Labor Day, and it was deemed a federal holiday in 1894. Certainly, Christ followers should celebrate the many social reforms that came out of the labor movement which resulted in establishing child labor laws, guaranteeing more livable wages, and safer working conditions for all. It should be obvious to the Christian that this movement was biblically appropriate, considering the Lord's concern for the least, the lost, and the last. Solomon observes in Proverbs 29, 7 through 9, that the righteous care about justice for the poor. This implies that Christians should speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, defending the rights of the poor and the needy. 
It should be obvious to the Christian that this labor movement was biblically appropriate considering the Lord's concern for the least, the lost, and the last. Secondly, work matters because it matters to God. The word labor appears 106 times in the New International Version of the Bible. In Genesis, we see in the creation story that depicts God as a worker. He calls humans to collaborate with him to expand his handiwork. We also see the downside of work, where Adam's sin brought a curse on work, making it unnecessarily difficult and resulting in sweat, unfruitfulness, and disharmony among workers. In the Old Testament narratives, we read about well-known men and women who successfully integrated their faith in God at work. Moses, Joseph, Ruth, David, and Nehemiah. We also read about ordinary people who were called and gifted to collaborate with God in the construction of the tabernacle. We find principles on how we should work from the Old Testament writings, Psalms, Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes. The prophets give us some insights about the future of human work in the new creation. In the New Testament, we read what Jesus taught about work in the Gospels, as well as what Paul and others wrote in their epistles. We see how Jesus redeems and transforms workers. Finally, the book of Revelation has some things to teach us about the internal value of our work. Third, work matters because God upholds his creation and brings shalom through our work. Our creator sustains his creation mostly through human labor. God created us as his co-workers with various talents so that he could meet all of the complex physical, mental, social, and spiritual needs of people. God loves people through human work. Tim Keller confirms this in his book, Every Good Endeavor. He reminds us God's loving care comes to us largely through the labor of others. Work is a major instrument of God's providence. It is how he sustains the human world. Isaiah 23 through 29 supports this concept well. The prophet describes how a farmer does the work of God as his co-worker. God provides the wisdom needed and instructs the farmer how to do the work the right way to cultivate the field, gather the harvest, and process the grain so that his people can eat. He emphasizes that all of this ultimately comes from God. Lee Hardy, in his book, The Fabric of This World, presents Luther's view. Through the human pursuit of vocations across the array of earthly stations, the hungry are fed, the naked are clothed, the sick are healed, the ignorant are enlightened, and the weak are protected. In the activity of work, God is present 
as the one who provides us with all that we need. The end result of all of this challenging work that God orchestrates is a world where shalom increases. Lastly, work matters because through it, God brings blessings to his people. Doug Sherman and William Hendricks in Your Work Matters to God have observed several things that the Bible teaches. Through work, God meets the needs of people who are of eternal value to him. We read all that God's work has done from Psalm 104, verses 10 through 31. 31 excuse me. He makes springs pour water into the ravines. It flows between the mountains. They give water to all the beasts of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. The birds of the sky nest by the waters. They sing among the branches. He wanders the mountains from his upper chambers. The land is satisfied by the fruit of his work. He makes grass grow for the cattle and plants for people to cultivate, bringing forth food from the earth. Wine that gladdens human hearts, oil to make their faces shine, and bread that sustains their hearts. The trees of the Lord are well watered, the cedars of Lebanon that he planted. There the birds make their nests, the stork has its home in the junipers. The high mountains belong to the wild goats. The crags are a refuge for the hyrax. He made the moon to mark the seasons, and the sun knows when to go down. You bring darkness, it becomes night, and all the beasts of the forest prowl. The lions roar for their prey and seek their food from God. The sun rises, and they steal away. They return and lie down in their dens. Then people go out to their work, to their labor, until evening. How many are your works, Lord? In wisdom you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. There is the sea, vast and spacious, teeming with creatures beyond number, living things both large and small. There are the ships that go to and fro, and sea creatures, which you form to frolic there. All creatures look to you to give, their, give them their food at the proper time. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are satisfied with good things. When you hide your face, they are terrified. When you take away their breath, they die and return to the dust. When you send your spirit, they are created and you renew the face of the ground. And 31, may the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. Through work, God meets our needs and our family's needs. First Thessalonians 4, 11 through 12 says, and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business, and work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your da daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. Through work, God provides extra money so that we can give some of it to those in need. 
Through work, we love God and neighbors by serving them both. In addition, God's blessings take a variety of forms. Sherman and Hendricks wisely indicate some of the byproducts of work. People need work. They need its challenge, its product, its achievement, its aesthetic and emotional rewards, its relational dynamics, its drama, its routine, and its, re its remuneration. This idea is supported with our understanding of the creation mandate in Genesis 1:28. There we read that Adam was created to be a worker, or rather a co-worker with God. We were also created by God for a purpose. Each of us were given the appropriate gifts, skills, abilities, and desires to be able to perform various functions through our jobs. Believe it or not, Christians who live under the sun, S-O-N, rather than merely under the sun, S-U-N, can find some measure of satisfaction in their work. Ecclesiastes 3, 12 through 13 states that man should be happy and do good while they live, eat and drink and find satisfaction in all his toil. This is the gift of God. It is indeed possible in the Lord to find joy and contentment in our work. It was stated earlier that we love God through work. Deuteronomy 6.5 explains how work relates to a loving God. Just think about how much of your heart, soul, and might go into your work. Imagine then, as you spend yourself at that task, being able to say, I am here to do something God wants done, and I intend to do it because I love him. The person who can make this statement has turned his work into one of his primary means of obeying the greatest of God's commandments. Amen.